This is the Gate Charlotte Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Yeah, um, introduce is a fun guy. That's definitely me. Um, I like am just known for fun, adventure. I had a dream about two years ago that I was walking in a garden with God, and we come up to this tree, and the trunk of the tree says goodness. And one of the tree branches, um, it kind of feels like we just went from zero to 60 right now, but anyways, it's okay. Uh, Anyways, uh, one of the tree branches said healing, all this fruit on it. One tree branch said prophetic, all this fruit on it. One branch said provider, all this fruit on it. Then there was this branch that didn't have much fruit, and it said fun. And God says to me, Chad, this is one of your greatest mandates is for you to articulate how fun I am and how that's connected to me being good. So, if it, you know, like for all eternity, you're never going to be bored. Like that's good news. That's the good news of the gospel. You're not going to be like, man, how many times are we going to watch the angels go around the throne? Like, like if you're having... You know, if you find yourself bored in church, God's not the one with the problem. He is. He's so fun. You know, in any relationship, friendship, marriage, you're dating, if you don't have fun being one of the dynamics, it's probably not a thriving relationship. Did I hit something there? And so my wife calls me the captain of fun. I love having fun. Um, and then also I'm a maximizer, so it's like really, really, really crazy. Uh, this last year, uh, I have about a list of about 800 life goals, maybe a little more than that. But anyways, um, one of them was to preach in three time zones in one day. Did that last summer. Uh, I preached in Knoxville, Nashville, and San Francisco all in one day. That was pretty cool. Um, and that was three different time zones. And then this last, this is like maximizer guy, okay? Uh, this last year in February, or was it January? I think it was January I went to Denver, and in the same day I snowboarded Denver. I wanted to snowboard and surf uh, two states in one day. So I snowboarded Vail, and then I surfed Huntington Beach uh, at about 9 o'clock at night. Uh, night surf. I'm a night surfer. I, I love to be in the water. I love North Carolina. I love coming to the Outer Banks. Been there a few times. And, um, but I grew up surfing the West Coast, and I started night surfing when I was 10. And so anyways, uh, I'm a little bit of a crazy person, all in the right ways. Yeah, I've night surfed uh, J-Bay. I don't know. Do we have any surfers or anything like that? Is there a Josh who's a surfer? Josh? Josh. Yeah, the Lord's like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to anoint a guy named Josh who's going to be a surfer. He's going to come tonight. So, yeah, you should just stand up. Lord, we just thank you for Josh. We just thank you. Um, Lord, we just thank you that he has such a heart of David and uh, that, that there's, something about, there's something about you gathering David. There's something about you gathering worshipers. Like, you, you have this... Um, What's the word, uh, or what's the phrase, uh, the guy that leads people all the time, like, you know, it's like a fairy, not a fairy tale, but it's a, yes, the Pied Piper, thank you, yes, that was like an open book test we just had right there, that was so cool, 
we are working together, and it's so awesome. Um, but yeah, no, I see you like the Pied Piper, like you're leading, you, you have this like leadership anointing, but there's something about you, you're going to be one of the fathers of a missions movement. There's like this missions, nations, you know, deal. I don't know if you have a heart for the nations, but like the nations are calling, like you're going to see your passport being just, but there's something about you. I saw your passport being stamped, but I saw others in line behind you that had no passports in their stamp. And there's something about you igniting missions um, into different countries to lead people to become missionaries, to, to begin to serve other nations. And there's something about you being a bridge builder for nations. There's something about you being an intercessor in nations. The Lord's going to have you do like, it's almost like you're a secret service man. He's going to take you like a 007 uh, behind the enemy's territory. There's going to be like these uh, crazy assignments that God gives you. And also there's this favor and like financial favor on your life. Um, there's something about you bridging like entrepreneurs, like with the church, there's something about business and the church, like one hand in the church, one hand in business, and then like you bring them together, and, uh, and there's something about you married, there's something about an evangelist anointing on you in business for to bring prodigals home, like people that have been hurt by church, I see you in conference centers, I see you in like uh, uh, rectangle tables, and, and you just look at somebody and then they just start crying, and they're like, and then you begin to tell them it's safe to come home. I hear you just, 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 uh, just holding men in suits saying it's safe to come home. It's safe to come home. It's safe to come home. I know the church has hurt you, but that's not who the Father is. And here, come with me to, to my church because it's safe to come home. There's something about you redeeming the elder brother. There's something about you having this, like, like this identity deal of being a brother to many. You're going to be a brother to many, but you're redeeming the, the elder brother where the elder brother was dealing with some identity issues of some jealousy issues. You're going to break jealousy. You're going to break. It's almost like there's been almost an attack. I don't know if it was like years ago or like eight years ago or something like that of jealousy. Almost like you had like somebody, I don't know if you had anybody uh, blow up bridges, but, but there's somebody that blew up a bridge, stabbed you in the back, and God's restoring relationships. And so, um, so, Lord, we just thank you for Joshua. We just thank you. You're restoring. He is a, he's a man of restoration. He's a man of honor and integrity. And the Lord is rebuilding bridges in your life. The bridges that you thought have been burned down and were never, the construction signs are coming. Like, like there's something about the, the, the bridge is in working progress from your side. And, and you watch the Lord of restoration begin to restore those people to come back to rebuild the bridge. So, Lord, just wreck them really good. Amen. Amen. Yeah. All right. What's up with Australia? You ever been to Australia? Like, there's a boomerang around your head. And um, you've been to Australia? Yeah. Okay, sweet. There's a boomerang going around your head. I think God's taking you back to Australia. You have, like, a heart for Australia? Okay, well, come on over here. That's just, like, just whack you then. Yeah. Lord, we just thank you for Australia. We just thank you, Lord, that there's reformation all over him. Lord, revivalist, revivalist, revivalist. And Lord, that you would just electrocute him. We would get, Lord, I just pray what you're doing in him, do and everybody in here. Fire, fire. That's good. You stay there as long as you need to be. You could just like, that's, that's a good spot. And... Uh, Jesus. Well, I guess we just kind of entered in the prophetic. Um, talking about surfing, Joshua over here. Jesus. 
Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. April Fool's Day. Does that mean anything to anybody? April Fool's Day. That's you? That's your birthday? Well, you both should stand up then. Um, Jesus. Yeah, both stand up. April 1st. Yeah, uh, so April Fool's Day. There's um, obviously, you, you've, you've probably had a lot of jokes about April 1st. And, um, you know, I'm about ready to tell you three. No, I'm joking. No. Yeah, I'll be here all week. Be sure to tip your waitress. Um, no, there's, I'm going to, there's something about both of you guys. First of all, for you, I see you wearing like a necklace with keys all over it. And it's keys that open up people's hearts, that people are going to trust you with the key of their heart. There's like a, there's like a wisdom thing behind your years. There's something about you fighting for friendships, like fighting for friends, their dreams, their destiny. And, and the word over your head is loyalty. Like you have this loyalty. You fight for people. You fight for friends. Like you have this compassion, this care where you really, really care about people. You really care about your friends. You really go to bat. And I saw the tables turn and, and like the Lord's given you friends that are going to like remind you of your dreams. They're going to remind you of your destiny. And, uh, and so like you're in this season of like fr your friendship circles are about ready, you know, to get bigger. And, uh, but your capacity to love people is growing. Like there's this, like you're going to break suicide off of people, depression off of people, and never underestimate the power of a hug. I see you hugging people and then them being set free. Like there's this deliverance anointing on you. I don't know if it came down like your mom's line or something like that, but there's like this deliverance, like freedom anointing that's come down your generational line and it's going to be really fun. Like that's going to be a blast. So April, April fools. Um, and then uh, Jesus. Um, yeah. So there's, this is a new level of authority. Like you have, uh, we're going into a new season, like you have one foot in, in one season and another foot in another, and you're, you're, you're stepping into a new level of authority, like, like this new season is an increase of authority, and there's something about the Lord speaking to you about land, like geographical land. The Lord's giving you authority in land. There's something, I don't know if you work with land at all or anything like that, but, but the Lord is going to give you favor. He's going to give you, like I even see... Um, yeah, uh, uh, it's almost uh, Jesus. Yeah, I just see you opening doors for people. Like, there's something about you being a door opener. Like, like you're going to open opportunities. You're going to open doors for people. And there's, uh, um, I don't know if you know realtors or anything like that, but there's something about you, like, like ministering to the ambassadors or the gatekeepers of land. Like, there's something about you opening doors for people to step into, not just, there's something about businesses. Like, uh, but, but with land businesses. And so anyways, Lord, we just thank you. We just thank you for the wisdom. Uh, and the, there's, there's a writing anointing on you. I see you uh, with a pen and, and this like feather on the pen. And, um, and it's the pen of a reformer. Like there's reformation all over you. And, uh, and that there's something about you just writing. Like there's a waterfall revelation on your life. Um, and so, Lord, I just thank you, Lord, for the anointing on his life. And I thank you too. Jesus, I just thank you for his heart. I feel like the Lord, like you are going, one of your messages to the church will be a soft heart, like, like um, how to cultivate a soft heart, how to be, you know, the, 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 the softest of heart deal. 
And so, Lord, we just thank you for that, Lord. Just wreck them. I pray that that would increase the softness of heart. That, that it's almost like you, uh, and somewhat of your softness of heart, it's almost like you've forthgumped your way. But the Lord's about ready to reveal the, the, the things that you do intentionally, purposefully, without realizing it. Like you almost like have this like deal in your life, the structure system that you might not even realize, but the Lord's going to begin to give you this anointing for observation and begin to connect the dots so that you can begin to articulate because it was never meant to die with you. It was meant for you to experience, but then give it away to the church. You know, I'll never forget John Paul Jackson. He was with this business guy and the business guy asked him, they were walking, and he goes, you know, John Paul, can you explain to me how you get this whole dream interpreted? And he's like, I don't even know. And he goes, like, oh, bummer, then it'll die with you. And then he learned, and he became a master on how to empower, how to equip people in dream interpretation. And there's something about you equipping people in soft hearts. Like, like there's something about you equipping the body of Christ on how to cultivate a soft heart. So, Lord, just wreck them really, really good. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. All right, bless the April 1st baby. Um, 1992? Bingo. Okay. I was just really, really lucky on that one. <laughs> no, um, there's, there's something about, uh, I'm an 81 baby, but there's something about 92. If you were born in 1992, you need to stand up. Yep. If you were born in 92, stand up. Wow, it's just these two. Sweet. And then we got, we got here, 92. I like it. Okay, 92. Um, I really, though, I, when, when he sat down, I heard the Lord say, I'm, I'm releasing an anointing for 92 babies. And I was like, oh, he must be a 92. And he was, so that's good. But, um, but there's something on all you guys that are standing. There's something about you guys being forerunners. There's something about you guys being first fruits. There's something about you guys uh, releasing breakthrough, like you're carrying breakthrough for those around you. And... Um, and that, that, just put your, put your hands out. And so, Lord, I thank you for these five, right? We have five. I thank you for these five that are standing, born in 92. Lord, that there would be an anointing on them for out-of-the-box evangelism, authentic evangelism, that they'd be ones that take risks. There'd be ones that would begin to be forerunners in the areas of evangelism. There's something the Lord is doing with the five of you of carrying the gospel. How beautiful are the feet of those that bring the good news. And so, Lord, I pray for these guys that were born in 92, that they would begin to release a, a, a contagious fire, that these guys would be fire starters. That, but it would be in their, like, their wheelhouse. They don't need to be anyone else. That I just release authenticity over these five guys. Lord, that they'd begin to run and step into a grace. Amen. Welcome. Uh, is there somebody here who's a model? Like you're wanting to be a model or you are a model or as you? Okay. What's your name? Cammy. Cammy. Um, all right. Yeah. Laura's been talking to you since you were a little girl. Pretty awesome. You know, prophetic is really, really, uh, on your life and the father's voice. And, um, and so I feel like the Lord, you have been crying out. And so I see you in your, in your prayer closet, and that doesn't mean that you're praying in a closet. What I mean is, is your time with the Lord, and you've been crying out for fathers and mothers. And I feel like the Lord, you are in the middle of a season of him giving you fathers and mothers. Fathers and mothers in modeling, fathers and mothers in the church, fathers and mothers in different places of influence. Um, I don't know, like, uh, this is going to be interesting, but uh, 
So I saw you like modeling, like going on the runway, but then you were holding a mic, like um, um, sharing like, like good news. There's something about you being a reporter of good news. I don't know if you've ever had a dream about journalism or anything like that, but there really is like, you, you're either going to be a journalist or you're going to, like, wow, this is getting interesting, or you're going to minister to journalists. So, you know, you, you test out the word, you wrestle with it, have fun with that, but, but, but you know, because you, interpretation's huge, like, that's, when I mean, we could do a prophecy time, but I mean, like, I mean, in the sense of, anyways, um, but, but no, there is, like, there, there is this, you have an authority, like, there's been a call in your life to minister into media, like, I don't know if you, the YouTube channels or whatever, whatever, but anyways, like, I just see you becoming a personality, but also revealing that God is good, and that, like, being a safe place for journalists, like, actually, there's this, like, spirit of adoption anointing on you, ever since you were a little girl, like, the Lord's talked to you about nations, and I saw you going to garbage dumps, and pulling kids out that were abandoned, rejected by their family, written off, like, there's no need to even feed you, just go die in the garbage dump, and you pull these kids out, and you just begin to cry, you just begin to weep, this compassion thing comes over, you're a woman of compassion, and that's something that you're going to impart to others, is compassion, and, uh, but, but I see you, where you're holding these kids, and the Father's love crashes in, and that's when the prophetic is going to come on you to a whole nother level, is when you begin to operate out of this place of the spirit of adoption, where, but, but you're going to do that, like, I see you holding these kids in garbage dumps, and you telling them, hey, you are not going to die here. You are going to be tomorrow's business leaders. You're going to be tomorrow's governmental leaders. You're going to be tomorrow's church leaders. And you begin to call out their destiny. You begin to call out who they are. And you begin to love them. And they begin to feel the love of the Father. And then they get hope again. They, they begin to see their call again. They begin to have faith again that, hey, God's with me. God's coming with me. But there's something about you doing that in, like, different countries and, like, garbage dumps, but also doing it in, like, like crazy uh, places of influence, people that are very wealthy that are carrying an orphan spirit. And you're going to break that orphan spirit to the wealthy and to the poor, like, like to everybody. You're going to have the spirit of adoption deal, and there is this, like, there, I don't know if it's, uh, I don't know if it's a feeling that you've had or whatever, but it's almost like you, may, you, you have this calling that, you know, is pulling you this direction, that direction, that direction, and you're almost like, I see this ping pong ball going back and forth, like, God, well, what, should I go into that one? Should I do that one? Should, well, if I'm like, not doing that one, maybe I'm not stewarding fully. Like, the Lord's like, hey, you're doing great. Like, like, just keep saying yes today. Just keep saying yes today. And I'm grooming, I'm crafting all those dreams that I've given you. You're going to step into it at the right timing. But it's just like, like, God just really wants to say, you are on the right track. Like, there's something about fathers and mothers coming and gathering around you because there is this, like, promotion in the spirit that's all over you. But it's almost like, you know, we, before, it's so important to cultivate pillars in our life before we need anything to lean on. Yeah. And the Lord, I just see pillars around you. Like, the Lord is establishing pillars in this season. I'm talking about, like, I think this season happened, started for you about, I don't know, 10 weeks ago or two months ago, somewhere. But it's going on for another six months. Well, the Lord, just, you watch. The Lord's given you fathers and mothers. It started about 10 weeks ago, and it's going to go on for probably another six months, where just keep your eyes open, ears open, and just, you know, obviously, don't go jumping in someone's lap and say, you're my mom, you know, give me the house keys, 
It will, it will, it will progress organically. You know, but, but you watch. God is establishing fathers and mothers in your life because you're called to be a mom. You're called to be a mom to many. That doesn't mean that you need to wait to have kids in the natural to be a spiritual mother. Like, God's calling you to be a spiritual mother. You know, and so it's, it's, it's awesome to learn how to be a daughter and a mom at the same time. You know, in order to be a great mom, you've got to first learn how to be a great daughter. And there is this, like, daughterhood thing, like this identity thing that's all over you, this royalty thing that you're going to pass down. So, Lord, just wreck her and let her have lots of fun. And there's a real healing anointing on you. You should probably look up Catherine Coleman and the whole deal and, like, Amy Simon McPherson. And that's probably, like, there's a lot more Amy going on in your life. Uh, um, she was a pretty epic gal. Uh, but, like, there is something about, and she was. She was pretty awesome. We could do the history lesson if you guys want. But um, uh, Angela's Temple. Okay, so it's awesome. There's a healing anointing. You just need to go pray for people. Have fun. Just have fun. So, Lord, just rock her and let her have lots of fun modeling I thank you for the prophetic. I thank you, Lord, that women are going to be set free right before they hit the runway. Like, like there's something about an anointing about, um, like, like, never limit how long it takes God. Meaning, I'm telling you, you're going to see 20-second deliverances, 20-second healings, 20-second salvations, where it's like right before, it's almost like, ah, uh, like you're, like I see you with the Lord. The Lord is inviting you how to learn how to jump rope in the Spirit. Like, 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 you know, like the angels are doing the deal and you're like waiting, waiting, you know, and it's just time to jump in. Who cares if you mess up after the second jump? Just time to jump in. So the Lord is just wooing you to jump in. You're ready, but have fun. Okay. I I am going to preach. Jesus, what should we do? Jesus. Is there, is there a grace here? Grace. Hey, Grace. Um, Jesus, let's just pray. I just heard the Lord say I'm touching grace. I'm anointing grace. So, Lord, we just thank you, Jesus. Yeah, the Lord's given you revivalists to raise up. Do you, do you, have, do you have kids right now? They're good. Yeah, the Lord's giving you kids to raise up to be revivalists. There's, there, uh, do you have a son that was born in the beginning of the year? Daughter. See, you know, you just keep taking risks and you just keep going. Beginning of the year, though. May. You just have one? Yeah, but that's what I said. I didn't say this year. I said the beginning of the year. But no, 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 no. We're just, we're, we're just messing around. This is, this is what they pay me for. Uh, no, so you did have a son. You had two sons in, like, the beginning of the year. Not, not this year. Um, yes, we established that. But you do have two sons. I saw a son. So I, you have two. So let's just take them both. Well, so that makes total sense. So I heard the Lord say that there's something special on, you know, like there, I saw a boy, so we'll just go with both of them, and they were born in the beginning of the year, and that there, there's going to be like this, 
uh, David, you know, Jonathan type of deal, like where they're going to, they're, they're going to have friends that they run with for life. Like, like there's something about friendships. There's something about, um, you know, and then I guess for the both of them, believing in one another, running together, loving one another. And, uh, but they're, but they're being raised to be giant killers. And I saw you, I saw you with these, the, you know, cause that's what Jonathan and David were. They were giant killers. And so, uh, you know, they could play nice, and then they could kill the devil, which is cool. So, so anyways, uh, I saw you with these kids, and I, and I saw, like, it was your kids in the natural, then it was spiritual kids, and I saw you baking cookies and giving them cookies, and them, like, there's something about hospitality on your life and all this stuff. But, but I saw them eating cookies, and they're like, okay, let's play, let's play. And you were more excited about playing than they were. And then they, and then they sat down, and you played the game Duck, Duck, Goose. But you didn't say goose. You went Duck, Duck, Fire. And then, like, the kid got up and ran after you. But then once that first kid got up, then all the kids were like, well, this is no fun sitting down. Let's all chase her down with the fire of God. And it's almost like you are going to see one catch on fire, but then all of them catch on fire and run, run after you. So Jesus, we just thank you, Lord. We just thank you that she's an amazing mom. There's something about you putting a stake in the ground for motherhood. There's something about you even writing about stuff about mothering. I don't know if God's calling you to blog and all that fun stuff, but you probably should. Um, have you been literally been thinking about writing? Okay, good, because that's all over you. You should just do it. You should just you should do it while I'm speaking. You should you should write while I'm speaking. You've got to activate the anointing. You know, like like I'm good with it. I mean, you can get your make yourself comfortable. Like get a laptop. You know, like just do it. But there is this writing deal for you. Um, like like I saw you releasing freedom, and then I saw you with women uh, lined up, and it was all these women that couldn't speak. They had no voice. And you began to lay hands on their throat. And then out of their mouth, they all opened their mouth. Each time, each individual that you prayed for, a trumpet came out of their mouth. And I feel like there is this awakening anointing that you carry. And there's also this restoration of hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire realized is the tree of life. And you're going to help people realize their desires. It's almost like you have forced gumped your way to be a life coach without ever I don't know if you ever got training for that or ever want to do that, but you, you have an anointing for like a life coach in the sense of you're going to help people get over their hurdles, and it isn't just going to be a one-time deal. Like you're going to walk with people to get over their hurdles and that they're going to discover their voice. They're going to begin to discover their authority, the, 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 the greatness that's inside of them. You're going, to be, you're going to help people discover that, and there's going to be a trumpet that comes out. There's going to be a sound released. And so, Lord, I thank you, Lord, that she's going to help people discover their sound. Their beautiful sound. The Holy Spirit crashes in that they are an instrument, that there is a sound that's released as they become just that the Holy Spirit just hit them. So, Lord, I thank you, Lord, that she's a carrier of the Holy Spirit and she's going to awaken people. Amen. Um, Jesus. So, I, I, sometimes I get words that are like, you know, just interesting. Just, uh, I lived outside of Detroit, kind of near Flint. Yeah. Does that make sense to anyone, Flint? 
That's your last name and born in Flint. Okay, just both stand up. Just both stand. Okay. Flint. Jesus. What do you want to do? For Flint. Lady Macbeth, what does that mean? Lady Macbeth? Beth? Nothing? Well, that's good. <laughs> Beth doesn't make anything, make any sense? That's good. I'm happy that you have a friend like that. It's good to know. I mean, Lord, we just bless Beth. I mean... Just bless her little heart out wherever she's at. Soup plantation, Target, just, just wreck Beth. I mean, she doesn't even know what's happening right now. Ah, uh, Flint. May 2nd? Well, I think it might be her, though. I think I, I, let me just give her a word. May 2nd. Wow, you're sitting right behind May 2nd, so... Um, all right, I'll give, I'll give both of you guys a word, but May 2nd. Okay, so Beth was out there. We, well, but, you know, we did. We had Beth, your best friend, and then we had May 2nd, so I guess that's good. Um, <laughs> Jesus, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for creativity that's all over her. We thank you, Lord, that I feel like that this is a season of um, becoming a kid again. Like, like there's this child-likeness deal, this invitation to become like a child again. Like, and I feel like, um, I don't know if there was ever authority figures, teachers that shut down parts of creativity growing up, but I feel like the Lord is, is reawakening and reopening wells of creativity in your life that maybe some people try to shut down. And I feel like this is going to be a season of stepping, you know, like past those almost like word curses, you know, like... That, that would bring, like, uh, fear or intimidation, or what if I fail, or what if I'm not a good artist, and all that stuff. All that stuff's getting blown out the water. Like, it's just, it's time to be, like, a little kid again, and, and to begin to discover the freedom of coloring outside the lines. And so I feel like that there is this, um, the, there's a creative deal that's way bigger than just art, or anything. there's many facets of creativity that's on your life. But also there's this creativity and healing, like this marriage of creativity and healing and creative miracles. And I don't know if there's anybody in your family that needs a creative miracle or, or needs a miracle, but I saw you praying for family members and them getting healed. And also I saw you praying for your family and, and I saw you in a house praying and the roof came up and then like came off in a good way. And then this cloud that said hope and it came into your household. And I feel like hope is coming into your household. Like, like, there's something about you interceding for your family and your family just coming into a whole other season of them stepping into their destiny. And so, Lord, just wreck her really, really good and let her have lots of fun. Yeah. Amen. All right, now, what's your first name? Tiffany. Tiffany, you're awesome. <laughs> Tiffany, I see you just like, there's this tenacity to you. Like, you have this breaker anointing, you know, um, Jesus. Like, like, you need to understand, your spirit, man, is really, really tall. And I'm reminded of, yeah, yeah, hi. Uh, I'm, I'm reminded of, like, Smith Wigglesworth said, hey, I can't control 
how tall I am in the natural, but I could dictate how tall I am in the spiritual realm. And I'm a giant. And I feel like the Lord is grooming you to be a giant. Like, like, like there is this giant, like tenacity, boldness, breaker anointing. And you, like, you're about ready to step into whole new levels where you'll begin to feel the gift of faith. You'll feel an invitation of like boldness. And so just say yes, you know, just say yes. And, and I see you riding this horse and, um, and you're carrying this flag and it, and it says freedom. And I feel like you're going to be a woman of freedom, that you're going to bring people into freedom. You're going to break the religious spirit. And there, there's something about uh, uh, like feasting and uh, being connected to worship. Like there's something about you learning different dimensions of worship. The Lord's like inviting you of learning the different ways to worship. And there's something about feasting, feasting in his presence, feasting like where the focus is not lack, the focus is abundance. You know, that there's something about Thanksgiving on your life, that you're going to unlock stuff from Thanksgiving. There's something about Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving. And, I, I, and you know, I have that whole word about her family, but I feel like this Thanksgiving is going to be an important time for you. There's something about your family coming together at Thanksgiving, like to just be conscientious and aware there's going to be little breakthroughs, and don't despise the day of small beginnings. And that's what, and that's what a giant killer does, you know? They never despise the day of small beginnings. Like, like, there's something about the beginning stages of momentum and breakthrough the Lord's about ready to teach you. There's nutrients where he's going to begin to teach you about the breaker anointing. This is Micah. You know, he's the God of the breakthrough, and he's about ready to teach you about him being the breakthrough. So, Lord, I just bless her that, that she's a giant killer. She's going to raise up other giant killers. David killed Goliath, and Goliath had four brothers. That's why I think David grabbed five stones. He was going to make sure this was never going to happen again in Israel, but he didn't kill any of, David, uh, of Goliath's brothers. You know who did with his mighty men. And I'm telling you, you're going to raise up giant killers because it takes one to know one. And, uh, and so, Lord, I just thank you for Tiffany. I just thank you. I pray, Lord, that she would be able to see the giants that she's called to kill. You know, and there's something about, um, I see you meeting with girls in coffee shops and different places and them walking away and you see them drop something, a key, and you pick it up and the key says purity. And you're going to run them down and say, excuse me, you dropped this key of purity. And there's something about you restoring. You're a woman of restoration, restoring purity to a generation. And I actually saw you where you were uh, putting your hand in a big jar and it was full of keys. And you're going into a mass gathering, just throwing out keys of purity. And it's like you are going to see on a mass scale people getting restored of their purity. The, the shame is going to be lifted off. The freedom, the healing. Like you're going to be, see people get healed of like sexual diseases and all this sort of stuff. It's going to be amazing. And so, Lord, we just thank you for Tiffany. We just thank you, Lord, that she's a woman of purity and she's going to restore purity to a generation. And so, Lord, and it comes, that, that word comes in many dimensions, shapes, sizes, and forms. Lord, just rock her really good. Yeah. Amen. Have fun. Have fun working that one out. So, okay, uh, man, it's 840. Okay. <laughs> Jesus. That was my message. Um, I should make this a legal meeting, and let's open up the Bible. That was more of a joke, but... Uh, <laughs> So I'm Chad, didn't really introduce myself, but um, Jesus, we're in a pretty amazing time. Yeah, 
Like, we are in an amazing time. You know that in 2024, we will have every tribe, tongue, and nation will have the Bible in their hands, in their language. First time in history. Every dialect written. That's amazing. I like, that's never happened. I have a friend who is from Germany, and he ministers to the Syrian refugees, and he has a jacuzzi in his van, and he's baptized over a thousand Syrian refugees in his van. Um, I'm going to read to you guys, this would be awesome, I'm going to look through my phone here and pull up, um, I felt like this was really important to uh, talk about Billy Graham being in Charlotte. This is, I know that some of you might not like, you know, I'm not here to talk about politics. Now some of you are like, what in the world are you doing? But Trump um, uh, spoke at Billy Graham's funeral, and there's something that happens, whether you like, you know, the president right now or don't like the president, that's not what I'm here, up here doing, but there's something about when your leader decrees something, yeah. you know? There, whether it be good or bad. Like, there is weight, there's authority when you have a president, a person that God has put into office when they begin to decree things. So he spoke at Billy Graham's funeral, and I, I, I definitely need to, uh, to read it to you guys. Okay, so this is Billy Graham. Billy Graham's funeral, which you need to understand... Benny Hinn would tell me in 2007, Chad, when Oral Roberts and Billy Graham goes home to be with the Lord, there will be an anointing of evangelism that there's going to be this evangelist anointing that comes upon your generation. So uh, February 22nd uh, of this year, I was in New Zealand, and I had a dream that I was at this convention center with Billy Graham and Oral Roberts, and they were laying hands on everybody. Then I woke up the next day, and my phone starts blowing up. I'm in New Zealand, like a day ahead, and everyone starts telling me Billy Graham just passed away, which is pretty crazy. And I'm like, I just had a dream. And I remember Benny Hinn telling me that constantly in 2007. Then he introduced me to Oral Roberts in 2006, and I started running with Oral Roberts, which was amazing, but I just never got really close to Billy Graham, which was a bummer. But anyways, uh, this is uh, Trump talking at his funeral. In the spring of 34, Billy Graham's father allowed a group of Charlotte businessmen to use a portion of the family's dairy farm to gather for a day of prayer. On that day, the men prayed for the city. They prayed that out of Charlotte, the Lord would raise up someone to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. Here we are today, more than 80 years later, because that prayer was truly answered. Billy Graham was 15 years old at the time. Just a few months later, he accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. That choice didn't change Billy's life, it changed our lives. It changed our country, and it changed, in fact, the entire world. The North Carolina farm boy uh, walked out of those fields into a great and beautiful history. Starting at a small Bible school in Florida, he soon led a nationwide revival from a large tent in Los Angeles to 100,000 people in a single day at Yankee Stadium, to more than 2 million people at Madison Square Garden over 16 weeks in 1957. And I remember that because my father said to me, come on, son. And by the way, he said, come on, mom, let's go see Billy Graham at Yankee Stadium. And it was something very special. 
But Americans came in droves to hear that great young preacher. Fred Trump was a big fan. Fred Trump was my father. In London, Tokyo, Seoul, Moscow, New Delhi, Saigon, Johannesburg, and scores of other places around the world, Reverend Graham shared the power of God's word with more than 200 million people in person and countless others through television and radio where people love to watch and listen. In 78, with the support of the Catholic bishop who would soon become Pope John Paul II, Reverend Graham went to Poland and spoke of the meaning of the cross to a people suffering under the soulless oppression of communism. Billy Graham carried his message around the world, but his heart, as Franklin will tell you, was always in America. He took his message to the poorest places, to the downtrodden and to the brokenhearted, to inmates in prison, and to the overlooked and the neglected. He felt a great passion for those that felt neglected. Everywhere he went, Reverend Graham delivered the same beautiful message, God loves you. That was his message, God loves you. We can only imagine the number of lives touched by the preaching and the prayers of Billy Graham, the hearts he changed, the sorrows he eased, and the joy he brought to so many. The testimony is endless. Today we give thanks for this extraordinary life, and it's very fitting that we do so right here in the United States Capitol, where the memory of the American people is enshrined. Here in this room, this is where, this is where, like, this is the sweet spot right here. Here in this room, we are reminded that America is a nation sustained by prayer. See, the Lord is awakening prayer in the church. Like there, we are, like he is awakening intercessors. He's awakening, like I'm telling you, to be an intercessor is one of the funnest things you could ever do. And I have news, we're all intercessors. We're all called to preach the gospel. We're all called to intercede. And it's so much fun. It is so much fun to be an intercessor. I don't know, uh, I'll probably talk about that tomorrow morning. But anyways, I mean, seriously, I've, had, I've, I've, I've been in crazy plane rides, I've been in crazy governmental places, I've been crazy, you know, uh, like in the jungles, and the, you know, just like crazy stuff that we're just like, I love this, this is amazing. But anyways, <laughs> the pain to my left is of the pilgrims as they embark for America, holding fast to the Bible and bowing their heads in prayer. Along these walls, we see the faces of Americans who prayed as they stood on the Lexington Green who prayed as they headed west, prayed as they headed into battle, and prayed as they marched for justice and always marched for victory. Around us stand the statues of heroes who led the nation in prayer during the great and difficult times, from Washington to Lincoln to Eisenhower to King, and today in the center of this great chamber lies legendary Billy Graham, an ambassador for Christ who reminded the world of the power of prayer and the gift of God's grace. Okay, this is where it gets crazy. Today, we honor him as only three private citizens before him have been so honored. And like the faithful of Charlotte once did, today we say a prayer for our country. That all across this land, we will raise up men and women like Billy Graham to spread a message of love and hope to every precious child of God. Thank you, God bless you, and God bless America. Our president just released an anointing like to awaken harvesters to awaken evangelists. Lord, let there be men and women like Billy Graham. Pretty amazing. Like right now, you know, <laughs> me coming here was me saying no to go to Chris Overstreet's like crusade in, in uh, Portland right now. 
Like, like me and my friend Chris Overstreet, and that's what I love with God. Like, it's always super organic. I mean, you know, I love the people that, like, Daniel Kalenda. Do you guys know who that guy is? He preached at the crusade that Chris was just putting on. Daniel Kalenda and I, we went to school ministry together when I was 18 years old, back in 2000. Eric Gilmore, I don't know if you know who that is, but he, he lived next door to me in the dorm rooms. Eric Gilmore. Like, we hung out when I was 18 years old, and that's one of Daniel's uh, and Michael Colionos' like best friends. And then, you know, Chris Overstreet, me and him would share like a half gallon of ice cream, you know, like in 2002, 2003. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, like Todd White, me and him did the God Squad in 2007. Like, that's just a horrible name, the God Squad. No wonder why that thing didn't take off. But anyways, but what my point is, is that we were like, all running together, and then suddenly it's like, oh, Todd's doing crusades, and Daniel Kalenda's doing crusades, and Chris Overstreet's doing crusades, and I'm like, this is awesome. I mean, we're living in a pretty amazing time. Matthew 9, verse 35. Then Jesus went to all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were weary and worn out like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. So he says, pray. And also, do as I do. I mean, that's what Jesus did, right? He, like, did it. And then he's like, all right, guys, I just modeled. Freely you have received, you know, Matthew 10, 7 and 8. You're going to preach the same message. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And you're going to have the same results. Sick are going to get healed. The dead are going to get raised. The lepers are going to get cleansed. There's still a leper colony in India, so we should probably go take care of that. Um, You know, the demons get cast out. Freely you have received, now freely give away. Once you've received something, because you can only give what you have, right? So the moment you receive something, it's time to give it away. And so Jesus went around, he modeled what that looks like. But what was like one of the big things there is he was with the people. Are you guys good for like another... 20 minutes maybe? Yeah. It feels like we like kind of just started, but it's like there's kid care till 10. Oh my golly. All right, there's more prophetic. No, um. Uh, Jesus. I mean, I've been talking with these guys a little bit. They've been getting to know me, and, and I am kind of pregnant, burning with something. Uh, you know, I found out, I'm just going to take a sidestep, because now I have a little bit more time to kind of present this and kind of bring in context. But, um, you know, I found out in 2014 that I'm a tweener. Yeah. Yeah, I, I felt the same way you are feeling right now. Confused, like... Not understanding, like, what the heck is a tweener? And, um, yeah, it's like 78 through 83 or 79 through 83. 
You know, you're a tweener. I'm 81. Like, I definitely identify, yeah, yeah. Like, I identify with the Gen Xers quite a bit. Like, you know, like, I, I went and saw Sublime. Okay, I mean, like, I, 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 yeah, anyways. I mean, us Gen Xers, we were marked by Toronto and Brownsville and Live in a Can Delirious and Matt Redman. And we would know what a Walkman was. We know what, like, like, I'll meet you at the coffee shop at 9. And that was it. Like, if you're not there at 9, you are hustling and working your butt off to get there at 9.05. You're not texting and canceling the meeting. But anyways. Like, I remember those days, you know, writing down numbers, writing down directions. Like, I remember, I remember life before MapQuest, which a lot of us, like, millennials don't even know what MapQuest is. Like, I, like, we used to go and print off directions, like, when the internet just came out, and we would have, to, we'd have like, five pages of, like, where's the missing page? You know, that happened to me on a few road trips. We're missing a page. Anyways, uh, it's fun to go down memory lane. But, um, so the Lord says, you know, I, I, the Lord tells me in 2014, God, uh, Chad, I want you to learn the language of heaven, learn how to articulate the language of heaven, and then how to articulate the gospel to a generation that's never heard the gospel in their language. And I want you to study the 60s. I want you to study what was going on. Like, like, if you look at the church in the 50s and 60s, what was happening? Like, there was a lot, like, you know, there was some generational stuff going on, right? You had the baby boomers. You had those that just came out of World War II. And, you know, a big controversy uh, in the 60s was the drums. That was way crazier than the electric guitar. Because the drums symbolized witchcraft. Yeah, I know. You say, what? It's true. Yeah, I feel like I could just get you guys. Like, I feel like I should just do a stand-up act right now. Jeez, can I just do one funny story? Can we just do, like, I'm just going to do funny stories for just a second. And let's just see if we can find the Holy Spirit again. So... I remember, I'll just do a couple, like, slow-pitch ones. Like, I remember uh, preaching, and I was in Mexico, and, and my, I didn't know if it was, like, the translator's deal or whatever, because sometimes you get things lost in translation, or you're, you, you're, you're yeah, you get lost in translation, or the guy's not a good, like, deliverer of jokes, or, or whatever, you know? Like, you, you're kind of, you know, anyways, just letting you into my struggles. And so... It's really good to find out if your interpreter is saved. That's, that's, that's like kind of number one. Like normally, we'll just go straight into like demonstrating the kingdom, and I'll be kind of judging on my interpreter's face whether they know this Jesus or not. And half the time, I'm like, do you know this Jesus? And they're like, uh-uh. And I'm like, well, then let's, let's get you introduced to this Jesus before I start preaching. You know, like then we'll be on the same page because we've got to preach together. So anyways, um, I'm talking... And these people are going, ooh, oh, yeah, oh, like, you know, but like very off moments. Like, he's not delivering the punchlines. And that's when I realized, I look, they're like looking past me, and I'm like, wait, they're kind of looking past me. 
and I look on the stage, and there is a dog birthing puppies. And we're talking like a lot of puppies are coming out. So they're just like, throughout my speaking, they're just like, oh, another one. And I'm like, well, yeah, there's another one. Like, dear God, just birthing puppies right there on the stage. Like, I could preach through anything. Jesus. Okay, should we go take another notch up? All right, so we're doing a missions trip in Africa. And this guy is, you know, you eat crazy food internationally. And he's just like, oh, my stomach. And, you know, and we're driving two vans. We're going to this compound. We're in South Africa. And uh, it was a long drive. And so he had to, like, lay in the very back. He's, like, laying down. He's in pain. He's like, I got to go to the bathroom. And I'm like, well, we're going to make it. And we get to this compound. And there's, like, you know, uh, just common bathrooms, you know. And then it's all kind of dark. And so he um, is one of the, like, it took him a little while to get out of the van. So we all, like, had been in a van for an hour. So, so he runs to a bathroom. It's really dark. And we hear this scream. <laughs> what happened was, is he was in such a hurry, he went into a bathroom that was already occupied by a girl <laughs> and didn't even, like, and just pulled, you know, and just went, like, 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 like I'm talking about a sozo moment. You know, I'm talking about like, like we had to like hose her off, you know, like it was bad. Yeah. If you don't understand the story, you can have somebody else tell you. Like, some of you are looking at me like, I don't know what exactly just happened, but just, just ask your neighbor and, and they'll be able to educate you on, uh, I don't know, is that it? Did, 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 did we go too far? Did I... I mean, I have to like weigh which ones to share publicly and which ones not to. Like, I've seen some crazy stuff in ministry. Okay, yeah, here's a good one. This is a good one. So, I was a junior high pastor, and, you know, like, sometimes... Here I am talking to all the parents. Um, but anyways... Sometimes, like, the most difficult parts of junior high ministry was the parents. You know, just, just you know, wow, I just, just went out of the room. But anyways, you no, know, it was. Sometimes that was your, you know, harder point. And, and uh, so there's this one lady who was a little, she was peculiar. And um, she owned a cape business. Cape. Like magicians. And so she would come. Yeah, I know, I know. I know. Just, just let it out. Just let it out. It's good. It's, it's healthy. And, and, uh, and it is. Uh, and so anyway, she had capes and she had doves. She had these pet doves. And so my pastor, uh, we were all on staff meeting. There's about 15 of us on staff. And he looks at me and goes, Chad, I would like you to pastor this lady, you know, through her not bringing her doves into church. And so I'm like, oh, awesome. So I, I sit her down, and I'm like, hey, you can't bring your doves into church anymore. And she's like, whoa, you don't want the Holy Spirit there? You're saying that you don't want the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, listen, that's a rat with wings. No, no, I didn't say that. No, I'm joking. I said, listen, that's an animal. Like, like it's not the Holy Spirit, okay? Like, like it, it, in the sanctuary, if we see, like, the heavens part and an angel, I mean, a, a dove comes out of nowhere and manifests something, I'm like, yes, that dove's allowed in the sanctuary. 
But she would come in and she would like hide the doves in her cage. And when no one was looking, she would like put it out. And I'm like, that's not the Holy Spirit. Like, and so she, she does well. Like I passed her through the season. A couple months go by. She's not bringing the dove in. And then we have a big conference. And like, that's like, that's very tempting, you know? She, so anyways, we have this big conference. I walk from back of the sanctuary, just started worship, and I see her in like the corner, and she looks around, and she pulls out the stuff, and I'm like, oh, dang, she fell off the wagon. I'm going to have to go help her. And so I've like got my pastor hat on. I'm walking over to her, and the dove just takes off in flight. And this guy, he's on his knees, and he's just like, Holy Spirit, pour out your spirit on me, God. And this dove is flying and just poops right on his face. But he had his eyes closed. So we never saw the dove. Like, I watched it all happen. I watched it all unfold. Like, like no, 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 you don't understand. Like, he was like... Holy Spirit, like... Your, 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 your spirit is gooey and green and milky. I went to the ground. And I was like, I'm going to enjoy this moment. I'm just going to let it like simmer. Like, I'm going to have to clean up this mess more ways than one, but I'm just going to take a moment. I'm going to let this moment cut me deep. All right, I think that's good. Now it's back to the tweener talk. Oh, it's sometimes hard. Sometimes hard to get you guys back after I just took you there. I'm trying to think if there's one more that I should share. But yeah, 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 yeah. This is, you know, it's just, it hurts so good. <laughs> Jesus. The Lord's, the Lord's releasing harvesters. I mean, I think the thing that I would love to articulate is you have a generation that's crying out. Like, you have a generation that says, I want a God that's authentic, that's vulnerable, that's tangible, that's within reach. And that's what you have a generation screaming for. You see it in the worship, you know, reckless love, you know, uh, we won't relent until you have it all. We're going to sing right to you. We're not going to just sing about you. We're not going to talk about you like you're not in the room. You have a generation, like, I, I, it, uh, years ago, I had an open vision out in San Diego and I saw these double doors, but there's no doors, just the doorway, these double doors without the doors. And then over the doorway, it says the spirit of adoration. And I could see Jesus through the double doors wooing the church to discover more of him. Ephesians 3, how deep, how wide, how long is his love that there's this wooing through the spirit of adoration, through this place of worship 
where you would discover a deeper level of who Jesus is. And it's amazing, like the worship expressions that we're having with House Fires, United Pursuit, uh, uh, Bethel, Hillsong. I mean, the, you know, you just have the list that goes on. And they're all singing, you know, about this, a God that's tangible, a God that's within reach, a God of encounter. And then you have, in the 60s, you had music. You had uh, these different voices of a generation. Bob Dylan doing songs like The Hurricane, going, hey, this is injustice. Or you've got, you know, Neil Young. Or you have, you know, like, you had such a generation taking hit of being rebellious, where they were just learning how to use their voice. They were learning to ask questions. They were hey, why are we doing it this way? Like, what is the American dream of a, you know, a house and the, and the whole deal? Like, like what, what does that look like for us? Like, I don't know if I want to go to Vietnam. There's all these, you know, like, peace rallies. They're putting flowers and guns and the whole deal. But they were being labeled rebellious, anti-American. Like, there was an anchor talking about Woodstock. And he was like, hey, you know, uh, you should probably check your teenager's room. If they're not there, they're probably here at this anti-American festival where they're burning the American flag, they're naked, doing drugs, having sex with everybody. That's probably where your teenager is. And it was like a lot of fear, it was a lot, but what was the aha moment of Woodstock? Was Jimi Hendrix playing the Star Spangled Banner without, with his electric guitar without any lyrics. And that was a moment of baby were saying, that's what my America's going to look like. But you had a huge, you know, adjustment in the church going on where hey, you can't show up without shoes you can't show up with facial hair you have to be wearing a suit so it's more come as we are not come as you are and the moment that chuck smith a uh, pastor of 60 people for foursquare in, in, in costa mesa california he said to his family will you go and pick up some hitchhikers will you go pick up some hippies because i just want to talk to them now, what's going on there? He's, he's like, hey, I want to understand their language. I want to create some bridges of understanding. I want to talk to some hippies. And his son-in-law, just so happenstance, picks up Lonnie Frisbee. Not a coincidence. But you have the same things that was going on, this generational... disconnect that we're seeing with millennials and Gen Xers and baby boomers. And I had a dream about a little over a year ago that I saw Jesus washing the feet of three men. And I couldn't see their faces. I could see Jesus. And I walked over to where Jesus was. Then suddenly I saw that it was the face of a millennial, a Gen Xer, and a baby boomer. And Jesus looks at me. He's on his knees. He's washing their feet. And he opens his mouth, and out comes of his mouth a rainbow. And written on the rainbow uh, is, Chad, for the next seven years, I will reveal that I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I'm healing the generations. So we have to understand, in the 50s and 60s, you know, from the first Great Awakening into the second Great Awakening, in the late 1800s, in the early 1900s, those that grew up in the church, 
Okay, you guys are on the same page. Those that grew up on the church that are now ages 18 through 25, around 50% stay in the church through the first great awakening, second great awakening, early 1900s. But by the time mid-1950s into the late 60s, less than 20% of those that grew up in the church stayed in the church from ages 18 to 25. That means some of them came back after 25, but I'm talking about that age range. When they got out of the house, that less than 20% were staying inside the church. And then we had the Jesus Field movement in the late 60s, and then you had you know, all these other different movements of Calvary and you know, Vineyard, and you had Toronto and Brownsville, and the Gen Xers, they all stayed around 50%. But it was when, uh, in the mid to late 2000s, we dropped below 20% again. Those are the ages 18 through 25. Hasn't happened since the 60s. Like, like the Lord's like, I want you to study the 60s and watch all the correlating deals of what I'm doing, what I did with the baby boomers in the rites of passage, and what I'm doing with millennials. Are you guys doing okay? Jesus. You know, you talk to baby boomers when they were growing up, they felt misunderstood. They felt they would have things like, don't trust anyone over 30. That was actually a big deal for the baby boomers when they were late teenagers in their 20s. They would tell people, never trust anyone over 30. But the Lord wants to heal the generations and, know, and also heal millennials where they feel labeled to be entitled and critical and, you know, all this different stuff. Like, oh, you're just a millennial. Like, no, that stuff needs to get broken. And we, we have to bring healing to the generations. But how we do that is through bridges of understanding. Yeah. Of understanding that each of our generations, we all have a voice. We are, we're all on a journey and for us that are a little older, we don't get scared when you see a generation going through the rites of passage, and they might be going to a pretty extreme side of the pendulum. You know, and that's only like a few percent, but sometimes we freak out like minimalism. Oh my gosh, all the millennials are going to live in a 300 foot, like, you know, square foot house that's in a van down by the river, you know, like... And that's only a, like, a, yeah, you see what I did there? Gen Xers, that was for you. So anyways, yeah, there's only, only his Gen Xers, I think, would get that. Maybe the, yeah, you guys would get that. But anyways, I feel like I should, you know. Anyway, sorry. You want to be a writer? Anyway, sorry, sorry. We got a William Shakespeare. Sorry, I'm going to go into the skit. Okay, let's not do that. So the Lord told me, hey, uh, there's something on music festivals. You need to go to Coachella. So this is 2014. So I, I went with my sister. I didn't even realize that it was National Siblings Day when we went on a Friday, which is pretty cool. And my sister is 10 years younger than me, so she keeps me hip. She keeps me, like, <laughs> in what's going on. And then I pastored junior high kids when I was 23, so they were, like, 10 to 12. They're my sister's age. They're all 10 years younger which is really cool. Like, so I feel like I've been forced gumping my way of fathering millennials without realizing, like, no, no, this is, like, one of my calls. And 
So I took soil from the prayer chapel, and I would just begin to just like throw it on the ground and pray. And, uh, and so I have this girl who's helping me with social media, and I was telling her, I'm like, hey, we should do a story on intercession of when I was going to music festivals and praying. And, uh, and, and so she, I'm telling her what I did, and she goes, wait a second, 2014? I was there in 2014 doing hallucinogenics, and I had a full-on encounter with Jesus at Coachella, and I, and, and I was praying, God, that people would encounter, you know, that, that you're real, that you're, relation, you're relational, you're full of love, and that you would bring people into the school ministry. People would come to this music festival, and they would get rocked by the Spirit of God, and they would come to BSS Ham. And she looks at me and goes, and I just told her this whole thing, and she's like, I just graduated third year. And then she's telling one of her friends, you wouldn't believe this, Chad was like on this intercession, like assignment deal, and in uh, Coachella in 2014, and she goes, I was there at Coachella in 2014 with my boyfriend, like running from God, and it was about three days later that I had a dream about Jesus, and I rededicated my life, and now I'm going to first year this year. And I'm like, all right, that's awesome. But we need to understand, like, there might be sounds, us that are a little older, you know, there's something about innovation. There's something about creativity that, that you know, there was what was going on with baby boomers that, that they were being told, oh, don't go to the movies. That's demonic. You know, like, no, legit. Like, don't go to movies. That's demonic in the 50s. That's like Satan's, you know, playground. playground. Thank you. And you guys are helping me out tonight. <laughs> and so there was this labeling of rebellious, not, not asking questions of understanding of like, you know, hey, what's going on there? Why are you making these decisions? That, that that brought division, disconnect. I mean, most young people are like, oh, they don't understand me. Is doing okay? But I mean, we need to understand about intercession. Intercession is being one with the Father, connected with the Father. Jesus, I only do what the Father is doing. You know, that, that, that his place of intercession was he was walking through the highways and byways, interceding, woman at the well, boom. You know, Peter's mom, boom. Like, you know, the leper going to the river. Like, there was all, you know, walking by, you know, the gate beautiful, and, and there's the healing angel storing the waters and helps that guy, you know, get off your mat and walk. And he was in this place of intercession where he was connected to the Father, which is a lot of training what we have with intercession today. But the other factor of intercession that is just as important is to be connected to the people. An intercessor is someone who stands in the gap, who is a mediator, who is connected to the Father, but also connected to the land and the people. Jesus, he was, you know, healing the sick, healing every disease, and then he felt compassion for them. Like, we need, like, when's the last time you've just gone and people watched in a park, whatever, and just sat there and wept? Because we need to understand, when there's compassion, it brings authority. Jesus 
just looked on a hillside over Jerusalem and wept. So the Lord began to tell me, Chad, I want you to grow in this place of intercession in 2014. I want you to stay in the center of cities and I want you to pray. I want you to go to like the crazy music, you know, deals, like find crazy concert venues, go to art museums, go to City Hall, go to big gatherings. I want you to be with the people and let them cut you deep. Let the land cut you deep. And if you do that, you'll have way more authority in the four walls of the church. So Jesus, he was, just, he was just there. And then he tells his disciples, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest. I'm telling you, there's this prayer movement that's beginning to happen where the Lord is going to marry prayer and evangelism. Like, I, I, in 2003, I went, was um, evolved with this, like, whole prayer explosion somewhere in the planet. I'm not going to tell you where, but somewhere in the planet. And we did this 12-hour prayer set, praying for, like, the Lord of the harvest, and everyone in the city gets saved, and, you know, transformation, and, you know, all that different stuff. Integrity, all, you know, all these different things that you could pray for in 12 hours. And we're going home, staying at this leader's house, and I'm like, oh, I forgot my toothbrush. we got to go by the grocery store. So we go by the grocery store, and I walk by this guy, and I can hear this drum beat. And I'm like, dude, like, I keep on hearing a drum beat around you. Do you play drums? And he goes, yeah. And suddenly when he said, yeah, I saw the drum become a heart. And I knew that it was the, the father's, like, love, the, the, the sound of the love of the father. And so I'm, like, telling him, hey, I see this drum and shaped in a heart. And I feel like you're going to begin to hear the this, this sound of the Father's love. Like, and there's something about you capturing the sound of love. And he just starts crying. He goes, I was adopted. I never knew my dad. And I'm like, well, you're going to meet your heavenly father right now. But I look, I look, yeah, yeah. But I look at my buddy who, like, lives here. Like, this is his land. Fish are jumping in the boat. Like, this is what we were praying for for 12 hours. We've got one. This is, this is the first fruits. Like, you know, like, so I, I almost felt like, man, I, I can't be this guy to the Lord. Like, this isn't my land. This is this guy's land. Like, this is his fruit. I just came and helped push for a little while. And so I look at him like, dude, you know, like, lead him to the Lord. Like, and he looks at me like, oh, no, 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 no. Uh-uh. I, I'm the intercessor. You're the evangelist. And that thing is getting broken. There, no, seriously. Let, let me, this is like, maybe, you know. This is a hill we're dying on for me, is the Lord is releasing a spirit of unity where he's breaking compartmentalization. Okay, no, I'm just an intercessor. I take care of the airwaves. You're an evangelist. You're a ground troop. You know, I just paved the way. All right, go and do it. You know, like, you'll thank me later. No, no, no. We all are together. Like, we all need to be praying, and we all need to be evangelizing. And what's so awesome is it's so much fun. You just reminded me. I like that. That was a good shout out. Because you reminded me, once I was preaching in Ohio, and this guy goes, oh, that's grown-up talk. That's grown-up talk right there. And I'm like, that's probably one of the best call-outs I've ever had. I'm like, I'm going to pay you to go with me all over the place. Just have you just. But it's crazy, right? Like, these music festivals have just, like, from if you study the trends of music festivals, like in the late 2000s, they just started exploding. 
And there is this new sound, like this new brand, like rebranding of psychedelic rock. I don't know if we've got some millennials in the house that know like Alt-J or Glass Animals or Tame Impala or Cigarettes. I mean, these guys are like just rebranding. Then you have folk like Angus and Julia Stone or, you know, then you've got EDM, which I have to explain EDM everywhere I go. Uh, you know, they're like, what the heck is EDM? And I'm like, no, that is a sound of a generation. See, there was new sounds formed in the 60s. And there's new sounds to this generation that are here to stay. Especially when you have like EDM, like Calvin Harris working with Rihanna or Ellie Golding, or you have Chainsmokers working with Coldplay. You know, and, and but, but I love like going to these music festivals and you could just feel the heart cry of a generation. And you have to get cut deep. To be an intercessor, you have to be cut deep. Because that's where you find your authority. That's when you find you've got skin in the game. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. I don't have time to talk about it, but we just started kind of a ministry called Catch the Wave. And I'll talk about that tomorrow, maybe, or something. I don't know what I'll talk about tomorrow, but I've got a couple ideas. But, um, but I feel like the Lord is asking us to intercede, but to also to come up with creative ways of intercession. You know, a creative ways of evangelism. Like, I want to start a ministry, He Heals on Wheels. And we just have skateboarders, we've got bikers, we've got people in cars, and we are just doing crazy stuff with wheels. Meaning like, you know, we're praying for healing, we're prophesying for people, like just have some fun. He heals on wheels. Bless it, Lord. That's not like one of my like high up ones, but um, like for example, like I'm a surfer. So I've discovered one of the most authentic places of intercession for me is out in the water. And I, I've discovered God when I was five years old in the water. Like, like you know, you need to understand. Let me, just, let me just kill this music thing. Because you will begin to find the voice of a generation. And a crazy artist that is carrying the voice of a generation is 21 Pilots. That's right. That's right. She, she's there. She's picking up what I'm throwing down. And see, I was watching the Grammys last year. God's like, hey, I want you to watch the Grammys. So I, I turn on the Grammys, and they're doing Best New Artists. And uh, they win Best New Artists, 21 Pilots. And right when they win, they just, whoop, take off their pants. Oh, yeah. Here I am at church. This is your special speaker. They take off their pants. And people are like, oh, that's so rock and roll. Oh, my gosh, these guys are awesome. And like, you know, this is an amazing bit, you know, all stuff. And so they're walking up there with their boxers. Yeah, their boxers and their shoes and their, and their shirts. And maybe a necklace. Or No, I'm joking. Um, so they get up there, and they, and they do their acceptance speech, and they say, hey, Five years ago, we're from Ohio, five years ago, we were watching the Grammys in my living room with my roommates, and I invited my friend to come over, and we're all watching the Grammys in our underwear, and I turn to my buddy here, and I say, hey, 
if we ever make it, if we ever make it to the Grammys, if we ever receive a reward, award, I want to receive it just like we are today. That we do not let this industry change us. They don't let us, we don't let them steal our voice. That we stay true to who we are. And I'm telling you, this is something that millennials will fight for is authenticity. Which is awesome. Yeah, thank you. This is my little section. It's true. I mean, authenticity is huge, and especially when you're talking about the Father's love. You know, like, like I, I just, you know, I just became a, another, uh, I just had another kid. His name is David. He's three months old. He's a little world changer, and uh, it's amazing having uh, this little guy that just rests and throws up on you. It's amazing. And... Um, <laughs> But when, you know, I would always get feedback on, like, social media of, like, man, I just love how you father Brielle, my daughter. She's three years old. And, and when it was just Brielle, um, I was like, man, I could see, you know, this little Chad and Julia cocktail. Like, I could see me. I could see Julia and her. And, and I was talking to somebody who had uh, four kids, and this is before I had David. So I didn't have this experience yet. And so I had one kid at this point, and, and, and they said, man, it's so amazing to watch you father where you can, um, where, and we, no, no, we were talking about how I could see myself in Brielle, and there's different parts, like different mannerisms, different parts of her personality, where I could see Julia, and, and he was like, wow, that's so cool, we we're talking about being able, how God sees us that way, and then he has four kids, and I'm like, yeah, but you have a whole greater revelation of that, because you're able to have four kids where I could see me and him and him and her and her, and I could see my wife and him, him, her, her, where, but there's different parts. They're all different people. There's, there's seven billion people on the planet, and each one of us becomes a son and daughter, and we have the ability to touch his heart in a way that no one else could touch his heart. Because there never was another Chad Michael Deadman, and there never will be another Chad Michael Deadman. There's something special about my DNA, something special in the way that God has has crafted and, and, and made up who I am, that I'm able to, t I'm an expression of who he is that no one else was made for. And that's why when I step into that authenticity, I'm able to connect to his heart, where I actually can say with confidence, I'm his favorite. But what's awesome is God has the ability for everyone to have that revelation. Will they step into authenticity? See, one of the biggest things the enemy and the religious spirit will try to steal from you is your identity. To get you to question it. Did God really say you can't eat from this tree? You know, if you truly are the son of God, you know, why don't you throw yourself in this building? Angels will pick you up. If you truly are the son of God, you know, command this rock to become bread. And Jesus was so secure in his sonship. He's like, I don't need to prove myself to you. He's coming from a signs and wonders conference. He's walking on the highway. These Pharisees, okay, if you're truly who you say you are, you've been sent by the Father, prove it for us. Perform a sign and a wonder. He had the ability. He had just come from a signs and wonders conference. He just was opening blind eyes, opening deaf ears, like doing crazy stuff. He had the ability, but he was like, no, 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 I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to get me to perform. You're trying to get me to prove my sonship, and I'm not going to do that. I'm so secure in who I am. And see, the deal is, is I'll never forget one of the first places I went to speak uh, when I was like 24 or something. I, I went to go speak at a conference with Bobby Connor. 
North Carolina native. And, uh, and, well, not native, but he lives in North Carolina for a long time. Anyways, he's a Texas native. But anyways, that's beside the point. Bobby Connor is this prophet that is just crazy prophet. Like, he is amazing. So let me give you a little example. Like, I was a little nervous, one of my first, like, speaking, you know, times. And, I, and it's in North Dakota. And so I get there, and, and I'm following up Bobby. I, I, in the morning, I'm speaking that night before Bobby's speaking. So I'm there at the meeting. Bobby calls out a witch in the back. She starts cursing him. She's like, and he goes, listen, if you don't repent, the curse is going to bounce off of me and onto you. And then, like, like suddenly, like, I guess the curse came on her or something because she, like, like, got jammed against the wall. And she was like, and then she just started repenting. She gets radically saved and she gets delivered. And then he looks at a guy who's in a wheelchair and says, you have bone cancer, don't you? And he's like, yeah, God heals you right now. He gets up out of the wheelchair starts running. He goes, that's the power of God. And the light explodes. <laughs> so that night at 2 a.m., in my hotel room, I'm on my knees. God, you better back me up. Like, I've got to show up. I, I have to, like, follow that. Like, like God, you've got to show up. Like, I've got to levitate. I've got to have lightning balls going to my fingertips. Like, like, what? And the Lord's like, hey, Chad, you have a decision to make. You can go out there tomorrow, and you could be a preacher. We're going to have good messages. Or you could be a son. And as a son, you can never fail. As a son, you don't need to perform. Like, you'll always be a bad version of someone else. Jesus. And that's why intercession is so important that you know your identity. I mean, perspective is everything. Like, uh, I might save that for tomorrow. Yeah, let's save it for tomorrow. It's true. The Lord is teaching us about perspective, but it's all rooted and grounded in identity, knowing who Jesus is and knowing who you are in Jesus. Jesus. Okay, we are... Killed the music thing. Jesus. See, the deal is, is you had so many Eastern philosophies flooding in the 60s. You know, I don't know if we have, we have some baby boomers in here. I mean, like, there was a lot of Eastern philosophies flooding America in the 60s. And we have a lot of that happening again. Right? Like, you have universalism, you've got, you know, different Eastern philosophies, you have you know, there is no hell. You have all these different deals. And, and, I, and, and you know, I've got a good friend that, like, kind of went down a wrong path, you know? Like, I was like, oh, man. And I was really wrestling with the Lord. Like, man, like, there's so many of my friends that, that, that are in this hyper grace, abusing, like, the gospel or, or, you know, like, oh, I'm already forgiven. I can live with my girlfriend. I can do drugs. I'm like, man, what are you doing? Like, like, grace is not supposed to be, hey, this is how much I can get away with and still be connected to God. Like, like and, and this whole hell topic of like, well, okay, so let's just back up from that. You have to understand that in order to expose counterfeit currency, the way that our baking system works, is the tellers become so familiar with the authentic currency. That's how you expose counterfeit currency. So I was 
talking to God about like all this hyper grace, all this like there is no hell, universalism, all roads. We all are going to die. And those that don't know Jesus, Jesus is going to preach to them a thousand years later and then they're going to get another shot at it. Like all these different things. And I'm like, okay, this is like, why are we spending so much time trying to articulate the boundary lines of the outer courts in the wilderness when Jesus died on the cross for us to go into the Holy of Holies? Like, that's what we should be focused on. That is the authentic currency, is Jesus. And we had the Jesus people movement that was in response to a generation, well, what about this? What about that? And then they experienced the real thing. So Jesus. Like, I believe that we are already in the beginning stages of another Jesus people movement. I mean, you could see it. You could feel it. And what's awesome is you could feel it in a generation. Like, I was, um, and the Lord told me, he's like, Chad, you're going to start ministering to a lot of 20-year-olds, like, on the road, like, just at grocery stores, all of your stuff. And uh, in 2016, like, I led over 100 individuals that were in their 20s. One of them was this. I was at Denver. I love going there in the wintertime and snowboarding. So I'm there when it's really cold, and there's this amazing breakfast spot. And that's one thing, is I love food. See, like, I, like I'm, I'm more a millennial in the last couple of years than maybe a Gen Xer. Like, like the, you know, I mean, first of all, they said in Australia, they did a, uh, they did a study, you know, about um, Australian millennials, that if they were to not eat avocado and toast, like, yeah. Within three years, they would have the down payment for a house. <laughs> so, I mean, like, you need to understand, like, there's so much that's happening between generations, right? Like, like, like the baby boomers are freaking out, like, are the millennials loyal? Like, they, they keep switching jobs, and, you know, like, and I'm like, well, okay, like, there's just, there's, the, the game has been changed. You have to adapt. Like, the internet was a big game changer. That brought a lot more freedom. That brought a lot more opportunities. So don't, don't let the haters hate. <laughs> Could you imagine if the internet was created in the early 50s and then you had the baby boomers in the 60s working with the internet? Like, it'd be pretty crazy. It'd be pretty awesome. Jesus. Oh man, there's so many places I want to go. And I can't go there. So the Lord's just been like, hey, I want you to just, like, I, I just began to just feast in Ephesians. Just feast in Ephesians, 2014, 15, 16, just feast in Ephesians. And this right here is the gospel. You know, turn to Ephesians 1. Let's just look at Ephesians really quick because it's just, it's just worth looking at. Love, love Ephesians. Ephesians 1. I just want to hit this. Jesus. You guys there? We'll look at Ephesians 1, verse 11. In him we were also made his inheritance, predestined according to the purpose of the one who works out everything in agreement with the decision of his will, so that we who had already put our hope in the Messiah might bring praise to his glory. In him you also. Done. In him you also. 
I meditated on this for over a year. In him you also meditated on Ephesians 1, verse 13. In him you also. In him, in Jesus, you also. Like, no, no, no. I think maybe just close your eyes for a second. In him, you also. Like, this is amazing. Right? We get grafted into the family. In him, you also. Spirit of adoption just flooding in. In him, you also. He's the firstborn of all creation. Like, he has many brothers. Romans 8, 29. You know, I, I remember being on the ground, and, and this is the Jesus people movement, that we're going to discover a greater level of Jesus. Like, we, we all have had moments with Jesus, but we're entering into a season where the Lord wants to stir up hunger, expectation of Ephesians you know, uh, Ephesians 3, how deep, how wide. I mean, gosh, now you're getting me going. Like, look, at, like, look at Ephesians 4. Like, like, what is the purpose of the fivefold ministry? Right? Like, God gave the fivefolders to the church, and it was to equip the saints. Like, that's how, like, the Lord has been establishing the fivefold ministry in the church again, probably since, like, well, I mean, for a long time. But there has been a whole other level of maybe the 80s, 90s, of a whole level of reestablishing where we identify now Todd White's an evangelist. He's equipping people for evangelism. Sean Bowles a prophet. He's equipping people for a, a prophetic. Like, okay, that is their function, which is like the first phase to equip all the saints till they all attain the unity of the faith. That's why there's this, like, we know, like, I love places in Scripture that kind of gives you a little bit of a sense of where we kind of are. And that's kind of where we are, where we're coming into the spirit of unity. We're coming into this place of the yeah. unity of the faith. The Lord is breaking denominationalism. Yes. He's breaking, like, we're all together. We're a family. Yes. This is something that I've been, like, praying into since I was 10 years old. That I know I'm a part of a generation that's going to see the breaking of denominationalism. We're going to see manifestations oh, yeah. of unity unlike we've ever seen before. But that's not the bullseye. That's just the next level. The bullseye is that next thing where we begin to have the full revelation of the, of the manifested Son of Jesus. That we become, we get into a revelation of the full, mature man of Jesus. That is the reason for the fivefolders to be established. Is to bring us into a greater revelation of who Jesus is. That is the bullseye, that is the mark, that is what we are giving our lives for, is that we would discover more of Jesus. Yes. And what's awesome is there's more to discover. Yes. That's why he's breaking apathy, that's why he's breaking shame, this weird shame thing that came to the church to tell people you're a Christian, like, well, if I tell them I'm a Christian, what's their perspective of Christianity? Let's like, get rid of that because somehow we stepped into that and I understand that line of thinking, but we have like agreed with shame. Yeah, come on. Which is like, no, I'm in love. Yes. Like if you only knew Jesus the way that I know Jesus, you would want to know Jesus. Yeah. Jesus. I'm going to read this really quick, and then I'm going to land the plane. So, I am. 
This is a book, Lonnie Frisbee's Journal, and they made it into a book, and then they have testimonies of the Jesus People Movement, the Vineyard Movement, pretty epic book. And this is a guy named Fred, who was, um, who was an older guy, who uh, was a father to Lonnie Frisbee. And so we're going to read about his experience, and what I want to get, reason to read this is that we would begin to see there was a generational gap the Lord began to heal in the 60s. And so this is uh, Fred. There we go. Now I found it. This is where he's at. Okay. So he actually invited me, Fred, he's been doing a Bible study since the Jesus people movement in Riverside, California. And he's, he's, he contacted me. He's like, hey, will you come speak at my little home group? And I'm like, yeah, that sounds amazing. Because this guy, Fred, to give you a little bit of example, he was one of the fathers of Riverside, and he brought Lonnie Frisbee over, and it just exploded. And then Lonnie had to go to South Africa, so they found this guy named Greg Laurie, who became, you know, stepped in for Lonnie, and then he stayed in Riverside and had this church, I think it was Harvest, you know, one of the biggest churches in America, and um, all stuff. So anyways, pretty epic fruit. Lonnie led, uh, um, why could I just forget that, Greg Laurie to the Lord, which is pretty cool. So this is Fred. I was a businessman, a conservative Episcopalian, and so for me to get linked up with a long-haired hippie, well, that had to be divine intervention. As a matter of fact, when I first encountered these long-haired people, I was somewhere in Hollywood. I remember being up there, driving down Hollywood Boulevard and seeing these men with long hair, and I just had absolute contempt for them. Looking back, I think I actually saw Lonnie and Riverside years before we ever met. Here was this long-haired kid carrying a Bible that was almost insult upon insult as far as I was concerned. For me, it was 180 degrees from that what one would expect in terms of a Christian. Long hair for men was supposed to be an abomination. At least that was my training. I remember one time I was on the freeway with a very good friend of ours, Dr. Frost. We were headed to a meeting in Santa Barbara to share the good news of Jesus and the power of his Holy Spirit. We were on the freeway in my new Cadillac, fish sticker on the back window, talking and talking about the things of the Lord. An old rattle trap car pulled up alongside us. I don't know what that is, but anyways, rattle trap. Uh, it was loaded with a bunch of these hippies with their long hair. I saw them look at us with kind of a strange look. My first impulse was to thumb my nose at them. But as I started to do it, yeah, that's a bummer. Anyways, uh, but I start, as I started to do it, it was like the Holy Spirit cut me off at the knees and spoke to my spirit saying, what if they saw the fish on the back of your car and knew what it meant? Oh boy, talk about being cut down. I was humbled. I no more than had the thought when the kid next to the window picked up a Bible and pointed at it and he gave me the one-way Jesus sign. I immediately recognized I really, really had an attitude problem. Which, by the way, this is what I've been praying into. You have the Jesus Field Movement and the Baby Boomers have the one, you know, way sign, the fish sticker. What was one of the things that identified and marked the Gen Xers was the WWJD bracelet. And so I've been praying, God, what is us for millennials? Like, what is it going to be? You know, like, whether it's WWJD, like, like it's going to be, like, I've just been, anyways. I just feel like there is a wooing, there's an invitation to begin to pray in. And it could be you that gets a, you know, a brand or whatever that's going to identify with the generation. 
And so it's so important that with this place of compassion that you have empathy, that you have understanding, that you let people cut you deep. And then you begin to get solutions from heaven and solutions from the Father. And then you begin, like there's creativity that is being unlocked right now on the planet. It's crazy. Like I have a friend that goes to uh, Moss and he will like go after the call to prayer and he'll be like, hey, um, did you have a dream? I'm here to meet with the guy that had the dream with the man in white. And he usually will have two to five people or more that have had a dream about the man in white and they get radically saved. I mean, that's like pretty easy. You know, that's not super creative. That's just like easy. That's God doing a lot of the heavy lifting, you know, like. So anyways, shortly after that, in just a matter of weeks, we attended a convention down in Palm Springs. It was a Christian businessmen's committee convention. A black man was the speaker at the morning meeting. We had heard this man before. In fact, he had attended one of our Bible studies in our home. So I knew him well. His primary message was that it's not skin that separates us, it's sin. But for some reason, instead of sharing his usual stuff this day, his message was to parents. And there were a lot of parents in the crowd. We're talking about 2,000 businessmen and their wives. He said, a lot of you parents are sending your kids to hell because you can't look past the long hair. Boy, that cut me deep. I realized that I was one of those. The whole long hair scene so turned me off that I couldn't even be civil to them. The minister, the minister said, if that's your condition, I want you to stand to your feet and I want to pray for you. Here were 2,000 people as assembled and the Holy Spirit said to me, you better stand up. So I stood up. There were probably three or four people out of the 2,000 who were on their feet. Probably needed to be a little more. The speaker prayed for us and a miracle took place. I walked out of that auditorium, located our car, and at the first traffic signal that we hit on our way downtown for lunch, I saw three or four hippies on the street. As we stopped, Waited for the signal to change. We got into a conversation with these kids and had an opportunity to share Jesus with them. I pulled over, and when we finished sharing with these young hippies, one of them turned to me and said, since this convention has been in town, we haven't been able to walk the streets without getting buttonholed by Christians. He looked me right straight in the eye and said, you know what? You're the first one who's ever made sense to me. An hour before, I wouldn't have been caught talking to him, let alone sharing Jesus. That's like quick fruit Amen. of repositioning your heart and saying, hey, I'm going to build bridges of understanding. I'm like, it's so important for us as the church that, that in all the different issues, all the different hot topics, that we become people of conviction, not people of judgment. Come on. And that we're not scared to have conversations. We're not scared of sin. We're not scared of impurity but that we stay in a place of purity, that we understand that we affect the lepers. Amen. That Jesus showed a gospel that was not ruled out of fear, that was not ruled out of manipulation, that was not being concerned about the devil or about sin, where in the Old Testament, that's what it was all about. And so when you saw a leper, you walk across the street and you screamed out, leper, leper, unclean, where Jesus comes on the scene and goes, oh yeah, let me touch that leper. Because what's living inside of me is greater than any sin. So the Lord's like, hey, I want you to go and intercede. I want you to go, you know, downtown, places, all stuff. So I go to Denver. 
And, um, oh, yeah, that's right. I was sharing about Denver, and I never got to share about that. And there's two different Denver stories. Let's just hit both of them. They'll be really, really quick. So the first one that I was sharing, this is like Inception. It's like a story within a story. But anyways, so we're like three levels deep right now. You know, like blow up the, you know, anyway, sorry. Wake me up. So uh, we're all really in Africa right now. No, I'm joking. Uh, so anyways. So I'm in Denver, and I like to go there in the wintertime to go snowboard, and I go speak at a church. This is about a, this is about a year and a half ago. And so, um, no, this is 2016, so it's it you know, it a little over two years ago. So uh, I am stretching. I love to stretch. I love to spend time with the Lord and just stretch. It's one of my favorite things to do. It's my wife's influence. Um, she's taught me the power of stretching as I've gotten older, as I've stepped more as in a tweener you know, deal. But anyways, um, so I, I, I'm, we're at this amazing breakfast spot. We're going to preach at a church, and so we're getting the breakfast to go. My friend's running in there to get the breakfast. It's like about 30 degrees outside, and I'm blaring simple gospel, United Pursuit, you know, like epic song, a song that I cry about all the time. Like just, I love this song. It's just such the heartbeat of a generation. And so anyways, I'm doing the stretch, you know, like I'm like doing the whole, wow, well, here we go. So I'm just doing like the whole like deal thing, you know, like just doing that in the parking lot. And this guy goes, "Now what are you doing? It's so cold. Like, and what's that, what's that music? Or this? I'm like, oh, it's just a simple gospel, buddy. He's in the mid-20s. And, and he's like, simple gospel? What is that? And I'm like, oh, have you ever heard the gospel of Jesus? And he goes, uh, no, like I think Jesus is like a religious figure, right? And I'm like, oh, let me tell you about Jesus. And I just tell him about Jesus, and he just starts like crying. He's like, I want to know him. I want to know Jesus. And so I got to lead him to the Lord in the parking lot. You know, and if you're ever in Denver, go to Snooze. It's one of the best breakfast spots. But anyways, uh, we lead him to the Lord, and we bring him to church with us. He's in his mid-20s. So now, this last winter, uh, I was in Denver, and I stayed at a Hyatt, downtown Denver. And I go and jump. This is, one of my, this is my last story. And I go and jump in the jacuzzi. I love the jacuzzi. I love, like... I, I've been hearing, you know, again, sorry, side note. I've been hearing that you guys, like, love health in Charlotte and, like, healthy living and all stuff. That's who I married. I married one of the healthiest people on the planet. Like, if you follow my wife's Instagram or my Instagram, I'm usually posting a lot about food. But we go on all these cleanses. I'm always in, like, the float tank. I'm in, like, uh, I, I do all kinds of crazy stuff, like... You know, I mean, we, I, I, there's some things you probably don't want to know. But anyways, <laughs> I mean, I've done it all. Like, you know, cryotherapy, that, that's really fun. But anyways, so I love the jacuzzi. I love, like, detoxing and all stuff. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go jump in the jacuzzi. Me and my buddy jump in the jacuzzi. And I see all these people in the jacuzzi. I'm like, hey, what brought you guys to Denver? And they go, oh, well, we're at, across the street at the convention center at this LGBTQ Christian convention. And I'm like, oh, sweet. That's why I'm here. So I begin to talk to them, like, hey, what's it been like having same-sex attraction inside the church? And they have no idea who I am. And so I'm just, like, asking them questions, putting cards on the table. And they're just, like, and they start sharing their hearts. And I'm just, like, oh, my gosh, just letting them cut me deep, just letting their experiences, what they're experiencing, not shutting that down, not coming with judgments, just hearing their heart. And then, you know, they begin to ask me questions, and I begin to put cards on the table, and they're like, well, you're a pastor, all this stuff. You know Heidi Baker? We know Heidi Baker. Like, like we love Heidi and all this stuff. And so we're, like, talking, and then we get kicked out of the jacuzzi. And we're, you know, like, in the fitness room. And I, start, and I started, like, praying for a guy, and he just starts weeping in, like, the fitness room. 
And then, and then I look at this guy, and I'm like, hey, what's up with March 18th? And he goes, that's my birthday. And I said, the father's healing you of something traumatic that happened when you turned eight years old on your eighth birthday. And he just starts weeping and says, that's when my uncle first you know, sexually abused me. And, I, and I'm like, well, the father wants to heal you. And I just wrap my arms around him next to like the bicep machine. And he's just <laughs> weeping. And he's like, I see the father. I see the father. He's just screaming. I see the father. And then these other like, people are like, I want to know the father like that. And I'm like, well, just get on your knees. And so they all get on their knees in the fitness room, and it was amazing. We just need to be loved. I mean, Jesus was being accused of being a drunkard. He was, you know, letting prostitutes, like, minister to him. You know, like, just pouring out all the oil. Like, hey, she will always be talked about when my story is being preached, when the gospel is being preached, she will always be remembered. That's pretty huge. He wasn't scared. We're called to intercede for our city. We've got to let our city cut us deep, and we have to go out there. We need to be praying in the prayer rooms, but we also need to go out there. Ephesians 3, how deep, how wide. We've all had moments with God that have cut us deep. But I'm telling you, he's breaking off empathy, or he's breaking off apathy, he's breaking off conformity, he's breaking off the, okay, I've just arrived, like that's it, I'm settling. Like he's breaking that off and he's releasing an invitation to our, our generation, which means, by the way, that transcends age, gender, and race. Like, 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 if you're breathing, you're breathing for a reason. God's not up in heaven going, dang, we should have took that guy home five years ago. Gabriel, how'd you let that slip by? Like, no, if you're breathing, that's a gift from God. You have something to contribute. So he is. He's after a generation. In Ephesians 3, he's wooing us to go deeper. And see... I was married almost 10 years, and I had, we had my little girl, and everyone was like, oh, Chad, get ready for this little, this little, you know, Chad and Julia cocktail, this little version of you and Julia, like, you're, you're going to feel the Father's love for the first time, like, in, I mean, like, in another way, another level, and I was all ready for that, I read all the books, I knew what to do, and then the, the night of the labor happened, and I'm coaching Julia, no one told me about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, I caught, I caught my little girl and I caught my boy. And it's one of the best things you could ever do as a dad where you could catch your kids. Like, it's amazing. I love catching. It's the best catch I've ever made. A little slippery, but man, it's awesome. <laughs> and, and, and so anyways, I'm coaching Julia and, and see me and her, like we've been married 10 years at this point. Like we've got a lot of equity. We did a trip around the world for 18 months. We've, you know, we've pastored together. We've, we've done all kinds of projects together. We've been on amazing vacations together. We, you know, we've had amazing moments. But this was a moment we've never shared. Bringing a baby into the world. And something happened in my heart where I actually could feel physically my heart being enlarged in my capacity to love. That I was in the middle of an experience. I was in the middle, like, and that's what us millennials are going after as experiences. That's what we put a lot of value into. And what's awesome is the Lord is a very experiential God. Yeah. And there's moments with him 
And like, I've had moments with my wife, but this was a moment I've never had, and it's 10 years. And I could actually feel my heart being enlarged in my capacity to love my wife. No one told me about this. That in the delivery process, I actually felt physically my heart being enlarged. And I believe this is Ephesians 3, that he is wooing us to have encounters with him, experiences with him, times with him, where it begins to build equity, where it begins to enlarge your capacity to love him back because you had an encounter with him. And a lot of us have had encounters, but I'm here to tell you that there's more to come. So just stand up with me. Jesus, I went, I just kind of like preached. That was a long time. You guys are amazing. You guys are so, so hungry. Just put your hand in your heart. We have the kids coming in. But just put your hand in your heart. Lord, I pray that you would enlarge our hearts. I pray, Lord, that you would enlarge our hearts. That this would be way bigger than a message. That this would be a lifestyle. That this would be a place where you would enlarge our hearts. That this church would be a church of encounter. That this church would be a place where people would fall in love with Jesus to another level. Lord, I pray that there would be a sound. I pray, Lord, that there would be a worship anointing here that you would raise up like, like the new model of the tabernacle of David. Like I feel like the Lord is going to begin to give people solutions. There's something about the tabernacle of David. There's something about a place of worship. That a community that gathers together and worships the love of their lives. And I'm telling you, there's this heart exchange. There's this place where the Lord wants to enlarge your heart. He wants to enlarge your capacity. And it happens with moments with him. So Lord, I pray for every one of us here that we would have moments with you. And Lord, we pray for the authentic gospel. Lord, that you would begin to raise up evangelists, that you'd begin to raise up voices that represent Jesus, that represent Jesus well. I want you to grab the person's hand to your left and right. And I know we have kids, but I really feel like we're supposed to pray for one another for refreshing. Because here's one of the things, like I tell people in evangelism, smile. Like, it's so simple, but it, but it goes so far. And, and if you're not having joy, if you're not discovering fun when you're hanging out with God, like, like you sometimes, you know, sometimes the ways we do evangelism is like, come and join me in my misery. <laughs> and it's like, man, I don't want to follow that. But it comes from a place of you have an encounter, then you become an encounter. And so what I want you to pray for is your neighbor, that God would begin to give them encounters, that God would begin to mark them like in the spirit realm, that God would create a bullseye. Like, do you understand? Like, I feel like there's an invitation to go deeper in your prayer life. And it says in Hebrew, those that wait on the Lord, that wait on the Lord means to set up an ambush. And I feel like the Lord is teaching you guys on how to put yourself in the pathway of God's presence. How to set up an ambush for his presence. To train your senses. To begin to train. So Lord, I pray that you would activate our spiritual senses. 
that we would not be okay, we would not settle for just the, the sense of our, our, our um, ears to be open in the spirit realm, but that we'd be like, hey God, we want all of our senses activated. We're a new creation. So Lord, just, just begin to just pray for one another. Pray, God, I pray that you just mark them. That you would mark them for such a time. And Lord, give people joy. Give people radical joy. I feel like there's people here that just need to get refreshed. And so Lord, I pray for refreshing. I pray, Lord, for our neighbors that you begin to give us visions. You begin to give us prophetic words on, on our neighbors. So just, you know, just if you start prophesying, go for it. So Lord, I just thank you for what you're doing. You're raising up intercessors, evangelists. You're, you're raising up reformers and revivalists that carry your heart, that carry your good news. And what's amazing is there's a generation out there waiting for you to come and get them. So, Lord, I pray for creative ways of evangelism. Wow. So, the Lord, like while you're praying for other people, the Lord's healing people in the room right now. There's somebody with bone spurs. God's healing you with bone spurs. Um, you know, if you do have bone spurs, check it out right now. Start moving around. There's, some, there's arthritis that's leaving. There's, um, Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for, there's somebody that was in a car accident like two years ago, uh, and you still have pain in your body. Just raise your hand if that's you. You're in a car accident. Okay, so right here. And it, is, it in your, is it in your back or your knees? And is there anybody that you were in a car accident and you have pain in your back? To pray for her knee. Yeah, pain in your back. Come on, come on over here. Come on over here to my side. And we're just gonna just kind of watch God show up. Is there anybody here that you are a dancer, but you have pain in your hip? You love to dance. Maybe you're not like a professional dancer, you just love to dance. Like I make a joke. Never mind, I'm not gonna make a joke. But anyways, uh Who's, who's a uh, dance, like loves to dance and hip, pain in hip? You have, you have shoes? That has helped so much if you have shoes. Yeah, yeah, go, go grab them. We're going to see if you have a leg shorter than the other. So I saw like a leg growing out, and I saw a dancer and hips and all stuff. So anyways, we're just going to fall. Now there's this car accident. So car accident. Okay. All right, so guys, like, you got to come over and watch God show up. This is the main point of the message is right now. And um, it's not a spectator, you know, religion. Like, we're all in this thing together. So we're going to see her first. She's in the leg, showing the other. So um, you guys are amazing. Do I need to do it? Need to, uh, we'll be back here at 10 a.m. 8.15 for breakfast. 10 a.m. for no breakfast, 8.15, I'll see you. Um, come, and, come and watch God show up, so come on over.